very good morning to all of us. Good morning. Good morning. Um, pleasure is mine in the Lord uh, to stand before you yet again uh, this morning and to proclaim God's word. Um, just to say that uh, it's good to, to see the Kangwas. The Kangwas are on my right here. They are in the house. Uh, we know that they've been away for um, how many months now? Three months? Four months? Four months out in Osaka seeking treatment. And uh, we thank God that uh, they are months in our midst uh, after this protracted time of treatment in Osaka. Right before we turn to God's word, and uh, uh, by the way, we are back into the studies in the book of Colossians. Before we do that, let's just come to God in prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, we are grateful that again we have this opportunity to gather together that we may worship you, and thank you for leading us in our worship. Thank you for leading us earlier. Uh, in Sunday school and Bible studies. And as we turn to your word yet again, we pray, Lord, that you will uh, attend to, to us, uh, commending myself as I stand before your people, that, Lord, you will uh, give me enablance, give me uh, clarity of thought and speech. And to each one of us, our Father, uh, both the preacher and the hearer, pray that you will speak and speak so clearly as you instruct us in your word. Do this for your, for your honor and for your glory, as you pray in our Savior's name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please turn with me to Colossians and chapter 2. Colossians and chapter 2, and uh, we will read together uh, from verse number 11 uh, to verse number um, 23, which is the end of the chapter of chapter 2, and our focus will be from verse number 16 to 19 uh, this morning. Commence reading from uh, the New KJV, Colossians, and chapter 2, verse number 11. In him, in Christ, you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him uh, through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, uh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven. You having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped uh, out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, uh, triumphing over them in it. Uh, so let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come 
but the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with increase uh, that is from God. And therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourself to regulations, do not touch, do not test, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. Again, as I said, we are back in uh, our studies in the book of Colossians. Apostle Paul writing to the Colossians, a change at great risk of being swayed from the truth by various false teachings. And among those false teachings was the teaching that Christ was not enough for salvation. The church, according to these false teachers that had sneaked into the church at Colossae, Christianity required some extras apart from what they had in Christ. And Paul keeps emphasizing uh, the truth that Christ is at the center of man's salvation, uh, starting or stating rather in verse number 10 that Christ, the Christian, is complete in Christ. The Christian is complete in Christ and nothing extra is required for salvation of the believer. The last time that we had our studies, uh, about, I suppose, four or five Sundays ago, uh, we looked at the passage of Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 and 15, or rather from 11 to 15, and I was privileged to speak on the subject of who is a Christian from this particular passage. Uh, Colossians 2, 11 to 15. And just a recap on what we uh, talked about, what we discussed concerning uh, this particular passage and the topic, who is a Christian? We indicated or we, we heard that a Christian, and according to the passage, is one who has undergone a spiritual circumcision. And that is what we read in verse number 11. And we did mention and look back at the Old Testament concerning physical circumcision, that this was a key Old Testament Jewish practice that, in a sense, symbolized a spiritual connection, a connection with Abraham on one hand and extending the connection uh, to God, and we read about that in Genesis chapter 17, verse 9 to 14. And many at Colossae uh, still thought that physical circumcision was required for salvation, and some false teachers took advantage of that and propounded uh, the aspect of, of this concept or this teaching of physical circumcision. What we 
basically brought about brought out from that particular point is that New Testament believers have experienced a new circumcision, a spiritual circumcision. And in the words of the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 11, it's the removal of the body of sin by the hand of Christ. And that comes through a personal relationship with uh, Christ. Secondly, we noted that a Christian is one who is baptized in Christ, as we see it in verse number 12. And that is a picture of the union of the believer with Christ. When one comes to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, his or her old life dies. He is buried and he is raised, or she is raised in newness of life. And lastly, we indicated that a Christian is one who has been delivered from the consequences of sin. And we got that from verse number 13 to 15. We are looking at a person that has been delivered from the penalty of sin, a person that has been delivered from a payment for sin, and a person that has been delivered from the power of sin. In our passage this morning, which is verse number 16 to 19, uh, the poster Paul continues in a sense in, 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 a sem, in a similar tone, a tone of reminding the church at Colossae about the, the worthlessness of some legalistic practices and human persuasions. A feather, in a way, urging them that on account of the change, the change that Christ has brought in their lives, on the account that they are complete in the Lord Jesus Christ, they were free from legalistic, free from mystic practices, legalistic and mystic, uh, and I can simply call it, uh, the word mystic is, is a big term, uh, from pagan practices. But uh, just to mention, we have at the very beginning of these studies, we tried to explain some of these terms. Mysticism is, is, is basically or, or simply the teaching that uh, by some, some direct communion with God, other than communion through Christ the Mediator, a deeper knowledge of divine truths can be acquired. And we will talk about uh, the aspect of using angels as mediators or intermediaries of getting to God as we proceed. So the apostle Paul tells these believers that in verse number 16, so, and some of your, 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 your translations who have the word therefore. And so it's an argument that is flowing from the preceding verses. Uh, therefore, let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. And, and, and proceeds to talk about other things uh, that we will uh, look at as we proceed. My proposal this morning is to address the subject, Christian, beware of being led astray by legalistic and mystic or pagan practices. If you are Christian, it's a warning sound. Beware of being led astray by legalistic and mystic or pagan practices. And in a sense, the post-to-post -post point is, is that they will 
or there are in this particular context of the, the, the church at Colossae, there were people that will tend to get the Christian back to the Old Testament law as a condition or as a qualification for salvation. And there will always be those, even today, who will try to get the believer back to the Old Testament law as a qualification for being a child of God. And they will try to convince you that Christ is not enough. Of, of course, they may not say that uh, plainly and, and, and that bluntly. Uh, they will do it in a very nice and very, uh, 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 what's the term? Very, um, did someone say something? Very sneaky ways. Let me use that term. Very crafty ways that Christ is not enough. There will always be others who will tell you that you are missing some, some experience, some mystical experience in addition to what you have in Christ as a child of God. And Paul, in a sense, is saying, do not let these uh, Christ plus propagandists, uh, I'm calling them Christ plus propagandists, sway you from the truth that in Christ you are complete. In Christ, all that you need for salvation is there. So I have three main points this morning. And number one, Christian, do not let yourself be judged by legalists. And number two, do not let yourself be robbed or cheated or disqualified by the mystics. And number three, do not let yourself be robbed of your connection, your connection to Christ, who is the head of all things. First point then, do not let yourself be judged by legalists. And we, we see that from verse number 16 and 17. And a legalist in this context is one who tries to tell you that you, you must keep the Old Testament law in order to be right with God. Like I said, we are talking about the Christ plus propagandists here. They come to you and they tell you, you must also keep the Old Testament law of God. Apostle Paul is saying to this, this church at Colossae, if you are truly a child of God, if you have come to a point where you acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, and you have genuinely and from the depth of your heart surrendered to Christ, you are complete in Christ. And so, a couple of points under this main point. Firstly, do not let the legalists judge you with regard to food. Verse number 16a, so let no one judge you in food or drink. treating the food and drink separately under different subheadings. So there is no question as we look through the Old Testament law that there were strict dietary rules or codes for Israel. We don't have time to read Leviticus chapter 11, but just take note of it. We have all kinds of regulations and codes about dietary requirements concerning 
what to eat and what not to eat, which was given to the children of Israel. I want to be quick to mention that it is equally clear that these rules, in a sense, are not applicable to the New Testament believer. Why do I say so? Mark 7, verse 18 to 19. And the NIV puts it this way. Don't you see that nothing that enters a person from outside can defile them? For it does not go into their heart, but into their stomach, and then out of the body. There is, like the, the addition, I, I don't know if I should call it the addition, uh, the, the other uh, point indicated in the NIV, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. But we, we have something else that perhaps we can base our uh, conclusion that these Old Testament regulations and rules are in a sense inapplicable to the New Testament believer. And if I request that we just turn to First Timothy and chapter 4 and we read verse number 1 and then verse 3 uh, to 5. 1 Timothy and chapter 4. I read again from the new KJV. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. I jump to verse number three, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. Nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. The point simply is this, that dietary rules and codes have no bearing on one's salvation. You cannot be saved on account of observing what to eat and what not to eat. And a person who tries to get you to think that they are more spiritual than you are because of what they eat or don't eat, they're simply being legalists. But secondly, with respect to, to drink, again, that's part of the first part of verse number 16. And we note again that there were certain laws of drink which the Old Testament prescribed. And a good example is what we see in Numbers and chapter 6, verse 2 to 5. And this is uh, a prescription to a Nazarite. Nazarite completely set, about, set apart unto God. Maybe you can just turn to that and read it very quickly. Numbers and chapter 6 and verse 2 to 5. I'll start from this one. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine no vinegar uh, made from similar drink, neither shall he drink any grape juice, nor eat fresh grapes or resins. 
all the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. And we are talking about not only drinking there, but even eating the grapes. And uh, that was a law to the Nazarites. I want to again mention here that we have very, very clear guiding principles about what one both eats and drinks. And that is why we read Romans chapter 14 earlier on during our service. If I can just pick one particular base from Romans chapter 14, and this is verse number 21. The Apostle Paul, again, writing to the Romans, says this, It is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles, or is offended, or is made weak, we have that guideline here, and I'll say a bit more later concerning the guidelines that we have taken note or that we can read about in, in or what or that we read about in Romans and chapter 14. Again, the point is simply this that our salvation and our spirituality is linked to our Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, and nothing else. It has nothing to do with what we eat or drink, but it has everything to do with our relationship with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Apostle Paul is saying, again, don't ever allow anyone to judge you or to judge your spirituality by what you eat or what you drink. And then we have the aspect of certain days. Apostle Paul again is saying in verse number 16, don't let legalists judge you with regard to certain days. And we can, again, looking from the point of view of the Old Testament, we can talk about three days named here, all from the Old Testament, and, and specifically can be related to uh, three categories, years uh, happening during the year, happening during the month, and indeed the days themselves. And we notice that some believers were being judged with respect to their participation at the yearly feasts. And again, if we had time, we would read about all these yearly feasts from Leviticus and chapter 23. We, 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 we find there uh, a mention of feasts of the Passover, feasts of the unleavened bread, uh, feast of faced fruits, uh, feast, feast of trumpets, a feast of the atonement, uh, feast of tabernacles, uh, and, and so on. And we also read again from the Old Testament, and particularly Numbers 28, 11 to 15. Again, I don't want us to read this text, but I, I hope I have them, some of them on my uh, slides, and you can take note of them. Uh, now this slide is, is lagging behind uh, 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 a bit. Yes, lagging behind. Some among or some of the believers in Colossae were being judged with respect to participation at the monthly new moons. Uh, I did mention Numbers 28, 11 to 15. 1 Chronicles 23, 2 Chronicles 2 and verse 4, and so on. And every month there were special Sabbath observances based on the position of the new moon. And in those days, obviously, uh, when we look at the old times uh, before Christ, people did not have the calendars that we have, and the moon, therefore, was an indication of some of the times and the days 
It was important for the Jews, therefore, to celebrate their festivals on precisely the day God had prescribed, and in this regard, the moon was used to determine uh, when the new month began and ended. And we have a mention of, of Sabbaths. Uh, some were being judged with respect to participation at the weekly Sabbath days. And I want to mention here that uh, uh, prior to us, uh, uh, we had a break sometime and we, we did a study um, concerning the Sabbath. Pastor Tioni helped us run through the various teachings on the Sabbath. And just want to quickly mention that we have a record in Acts about Christians meeting for fellowship on Sundays, the first day of the week, and most likely the Colossians, the Colossian believers, had this practice of meeting on Sundays, shunning, as it were, the Saturday Sabbath meetings at their local synagogues. And that in this regard, therefore, they are probably judged as unspiritual, judged as not right with God. And Paul is telling them, your salvation and your spirituality is far beyond, far beyond the observance of the Sabbath. You are free from legalistic matters of the Old Testament. And verse number 17 gives us, in a sense, insight as to why we should not allow our spirituality to be determined by the Old Testament law. Verse number 17 puts it this way. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, verse 17 rather. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. The regulations about food, drink, and days were nothing more than a shadow of the real thing, a shadow of the real deal, so to speak. We know what a shadow is. It's, it's simply uh, some kind of uh, uh, a dark, a dark reflection of the real substance or the real thing. And we have shadows here. I can see shadows of benches here. Shadows, a shadow of a brother uh, Justin sitting there against the against the uh, the wall. The real thing is him. The shadow is just a, a, a reflection of him, as it were. The real substance that makes one right with God is found in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone. And so with the coming of Christ, we, we no longer need shadows. He is the true substance upon which our hearts ought to be fixed. But I want to, to just in line again with, in line with uh, uh, the, the guidelines provided in Romans and chapter 14, just, just give, give some kind of a cautionary note. Uh, and the caution is this, that Freedom from legalism does not mean that we are not subject from any law. And we, from the teaching of 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse number 21, we need to remind ourselves as children of God that we are Yes, we are not under the Old Testament law, but we are under the law of Christ. And because of that, Romans chapter 14 provides for us what, what I'm calling uh, biblical 
self-checks for us that are under grace. And these are biblical self-checks that relate to issues of, of food, relate to issues of drink, relate to issue of, issues of days. And so, just to mention one or two things concerning this, we would be wrong if we judged another person's spirituality on the basis of what they eat or they don't eat. Romans chapter 14, verse 2 to 4. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God receives him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Another point is this, that we would be wrong if we judge another person's spirituality on the basis of their observance of days or a day. Again, verse 5 to 6 speaks to that from Romans chapter 14. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. And the argument continues. But thirdly, I want to mention that also uh, concerning our law under Christ, or the, uh, our being under the law of Christ, we sin if we use our liberty concerning what we eat, drink, or do, if those things cause a weaker brother or a weaker, star, a weaker sister to stumble. If we do things, if we eat things, if we drink things that cause a brother or a sister to stumble, we sin against God. And again, we pick, pick that up from Romans chapter 14, and uh, if you can read verse number uh, uh, 13. Therefore, let, not, let, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather re resolve this, not to put a stumbling block of cause to fall in our brother's way. And uh, I think uh, verse number 21 also speaks to that. Um, it is good neither to eat meat, nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles, or is offended, or is made weak. And also, again, away from Romans, we, 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 we know that we have... Uh, a guideline concerning meeting with one another. And we disobey the Lord and we sin if we do not attend the fellowship of the believers. Uh, Hebrews and chapter 10 and verse number 25. I want to move on. Uh, the first point was rather a long one, and the next ones are fairly short. Main point number two, do not let yourselves be robbed or be cheated or be disqualified. Now, those are, uh, those are translations in different uh, Bibles. 
others will put, uh, don't be cheated. Others will say, don't be robbed. Others will say, don't be disqualified by the mystics or by the pagan persuasors, if I can call them that way. And we read that in uh, Colossians uh, chapter 2 and verse number 18 uh, as uh, uh, I bring out my second main point. Let no man decide for or against you. That's basically the rendering here. Uh, the word cheated or disqualified is, is a rendering, uh, in a sense, related to, to what the umpire does, an umpire or a referee. Uh, many of you were watching uh, uh, soccer yesterday uh, between Zambia and Ivory Coast, and there was an umpire there or there was a referee. Uh, so the, the word the word cheated or disqualified is, is a rendering uh, that speaks to the work of an umpire. And, and the Apostle Paul is saying, let not these people, these false teachers, if I can call them simply, decide for you and so decide that you will miss out on the prize. Or let them not disqualify you from the prize. They will condemn you and judge you that you are not worthy of or white. Uh, now we're talking the words here other than uh, losing salvation because we are not, we, we, we know that once you are a child of God, uh, as long as you are genuinely a child of God, there's no way you can lose your salvation. But we are talking about rewards. False teachers can rob you or rob the Christian of their spiritual rewards. In a sense, we, or he is putting us, putting it to us that they can, they can in a way, uh, sway you, bully you away from your rewards. They can sway the Christian away from the truth once the Christian succumbs to their false persuasions. How do they do it? We have at least four ways, three, four ways on how they do this. They do it through, firstly, false humility. False teachers will desire to win a genuine believer to their false beliefs through a false humility. They come to the Christian with a masked face of humility, a seemingly humble and lowly spirit. Dear Christian, mark this and mark it very well. Behind that false humility, false lowly spirit, is a heart and mind that is so very proud, so very proud that it will not bend to the authority of the word of God. It will not bend to the truth concerning our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a humility that draws attention to self. At the end of the day, it's all about their pride and themselves and what they can be able to achieve in convincing you in their brainwashed persuasions. And that is why when you have an encounter with many of these people and try to point them to Christ, they will find, they will 
make every effort to sway you from the truth and get you back into their issues in which they are brainwashed. Don't be cheated by mysticists through false humility. But secondly, they'll come to you with false doctrine. And here we pick up the issue of the worship of angels. Uh, reading through some of the, uh, the works of Bible scholars, I noted that it's a phrase that is, in a sense, uh, deemed controversial with, with various interpretations. But suffice to say that it is, it is generally agreed that what is being brought out here as the argument by these false teachers was the teaching of going through angels as mediators in a sense, in addition to, or in some cases, even without the involvement of Christ. And it is said that the angel, the archangel Michael was one of those angels that was worshipped in Asia Minor for a very, very long time. And he was even credited for some miraculous cures amongst the people that worshipped angels. This kind of heretical teaching obviously is a teaching that aims to demean or demote the Lord Jesus Christ to the level of angels. It's a teaching of going to God through angels as mediators and a truth that is at loggerheads with the truth that there is only one mediator between God and men the man, Jesus Christ. And that's the truth that we find in 1 Timothy and chapter 2 and verse number 5. And through this kind of teaching, these false teachers were bent on getting the Christians away from focusing on the Lord Jesus Christ, away from appreciating the fact that in the Lord Jesus Christ, they were complete, and Christ is the only mediator between God and man. I'm thinking about this, this particular aspect. Uh, I, I, I just I think the thought of today's religious practices among some of the so-called papas uh, came to mind. Many of these with their, their emphasis on, on, on holy water, on anointing oil, and some kind of ukubuka, you know, about what is happening to you. And, 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 and the, whole, the whole thing just makes you lose focus on Christ. And you start focusing on all these things and think that your salvation or your help is in all these anointing oils and, 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 and holy water, as it were, provided by these papas. Christian, beware. Beware of being cheated. This is what the Apostle Paul is telling us. Beware of being cheated. Beware of being swayed from focusing on Christ architect and perfecter of our salvation. But there's another point here. Uh, do not be cheated through false visions. Again, that's part of uh, verse number 18 uh, towards the latter part. Uh, worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen then puffed up by his fleshly mind. 
false visions or revelations. Uh, many uh, heretics claim to have some, some special revelatory information beyond what is contained in the Bible. They will claim they, they have seen or experienced fantastic things in the heavenly realms. Fantastic things beyond what is contained in the scriptures. It is all a lie. Again, just to mention that today we have a brand of mystics, a brand of mysticism, particularly common among some, and I want to stress the, 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 the word some, some charismatics and among the cults. In these religious groupings, Scripture is, is, in a sense, a distant second in importance when compared to, to their spiritual experiences and visions. And so we have all kinds of, 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 of prophecies from prophets and prophetesses, all kinds of prophetic utterances about anything and everything, including soccer. Now, we wouldn't be surprised to hear that some prophets somewhere, somehow, prophesied that Zambia is going to win and be part of AFCON. Uh, is it next year or this year? Next year. There is absolutely no need for extra biblical revelation. Absolutely no need. Second Peter 1 verse 19 says this. We have a prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. The word of God is sufficient for our instruction, for our guidance, and for our growth as children of God. But also we have, uh, in a sense, an aspect of of false reasoning in, 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 in the cheating that bring or that comes to the believers through these false teachers. False reasoning, and uh, that's uh, what I pick up from uh, these people being vainly puffed up by their fleshly mind. These people will try to, to, to kind of outsmart the Christian with, with their puffed up fleshy persuasions and philosophies. I want to just simply say this concerning this matter. It is possible that one will be engaged in, in what we may term as a super as a super spiritual activities, and yet those those activities are, are simply activities of the flesh, being brought to to other people like they are from God. Beware of again prophets and prophetesses constantly advertising themselves with extraordinary gifts and experiences. They're simply playing on your mind, leading you away from the truth. It's all in the flesh. And that, at the end of the day, it's simply about themselves. It's simply about their survival. It's simply about their livelihoods, 
Christian, beware. But I want to move on to my last point and, 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 and say, simply say that Christian, do not let yourselves be robbed of your connection to Christ. And I pick that up from verse number 19 and the Bible reads, and not holding fast to the heads from whom all the body nourished and meets together by joints and ligaments grows with increase that is from God. Now quickly on this point, uh, Paul makes a reference to the head and we know that Christ is the head over all things. He alone has legitimate rule and authority over all that is seen, over all that is unseen, both in the spiritual as well as in the physical realms. We, in our study in Colossians, we have come across the passage in chapter 1, verse 15 to 20, where we, we, we learn about Christ, or we, we, we are told very clearly, Christ is the head and sovereign, and is sovereign over all creation. He is the ima image of the invisible God. He is before all things. He is the head of the church. We are told in this verse number 19 that this head, the Lord Jesus Christ, connects to the body and connects the body through ligaments and sinews, uh, a, a physiological expression of the connectedness between the Lord Jesus Christ and the children of God. Our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ is a living union, a living connection. He, being the head, the believer, or the believers being the members of the body, connected to the head. And under the direction of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the various parts of his body function together. Not only do they function together, they grow to maturity under the fostering care of God, supplied with nutrient, nutrients, as it were, and, and fitted to each other by means of these ligaments and joints. And in this connection, the connection that we have with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, we love and serve God. We also love others and save one another. And we also spread the good news of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do so because we are saved to save. Just bringing in our theme as a church for this year and connecting it with the fact that our connection with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a connection not just to, to be there, that I'm happy that I'm connected to the Savior in this connection, we ought to serve. I've mentioned the fact that in this connection, we, we grow. So growth is an essential part of this connection. And we grow by subjecting ourselves under the authority of the living, written word of God, as we remain connected to the body. And so, as I come to 
the end of my discourse this morning, Christian, do not let yourself be judged by legalists. Christian, do not let yourself be robbed of your qualification as a child of God. Do not be robbed of the connection that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in a sense, pointing us to the truth that we ought to depend on God. We ought to look for him for guidance, protection, for, preser for preservation. We are complete in Christ. And we don't need anything else to confirm that we are children of God. In Christ, we have all things. Let us hold fast to the hate who is Christ and grow with a growth that comes from God. Amen. Thank you very much for your attention.